WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. Before we get started today, we just want to let you know that this episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by our patrons. We want to build this thing to be as big as it can be, and we want to make it bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we want to make more podcasts for everybody. But we can't do it alone. If you enjoyed this episode of Bacon and Eggs and you have the means, head over to Patreon page at patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and check out all the different Roar tiers we have over there. If you want to just give a little, little, we have a $3 tier uh, that gets you access to our Discord server, which has like... I coming up on 150 members of a variety of WBNE listeners. It is the most positive, uplifting, supportive community in the world. If you're looking for a place where you will almost definitely fit in and, and make some new friends, I definitely recommend that. And it's just a, a, a quick $3 a month. But I totally understand times like this, it can be tough. Anyway, we could really use your help to make this podcast the best it can possibly be. So thank you for donating and thank you even more for listening. Howdy, Oaks, and welcome back to Beginnings. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today we're betting it all on the Eagles. Or maybe we're writing a letter to our wives. So run in a trash bag. And order Raisin Bran. Because today we're bringing you the Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook, directed by David O. Russell, came out November 16th, 2012, short 2,727 days ago. I like that number because it's 2727. 2727. 2727. On a $21.21 million budget. I'm kidding. That that last 2-1, I made that up. $21 million budget. Made good money. Made $236.4 million worldwide. A 92% critic rating and an 86% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an 81 on Metacritic. I'm joined this week by none other than my co-host, Ethan Edgehill. Ethan Tyler, Tyler, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited that you were able to come back and make it this week. Uh, did, were you able to get a chance to watch the film? I was, actually. Okay, tell me what you thought about it. Um, <laughs> this is such a weird way to such a weird way to do this. Uh, I don't watch enough like talk shows it? to like be quippy about it. Because I was going to like come back with some like sort of Fallon-type banter, but I don't watch oh, those shows so good at all i'll tell you one thing ethan I, I do actually have a positive review uh lisa schwartzbaum of entertainment weekly said a crazy beaut of a comedy that brims with generosity and manages to circumvent predict pre- predictability 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 at every turn that was my take on being the review i was circumventing predictability and oh what's the thing that makes art good oh man what is it called subverting expectations that's what i was doing man that was a wild statement you just went with what's the thing that makes (laughs) art good (laughs) like boy howdy have you have you stumbled on the question I've been thinking about that with photography because you said something about somebody taking bad pictures today. And I was thinking about like, I, that person seems really annoying based on what I found out about them. But like, I, I, you know, I'm sure that person are, has taken good pictures. That person deserves to be dragged on the internet. Yeah. But they're, but it's like so weird. Like if I pull out my phone and I don't even look at it right and I just take a selfie. Right, that selfie I mean, looks better than that dude's photos of that guy scootering with a burrito with a smoke bomb in it right but but this is like wholly a bad photograph right like it's so weird to me that like there are no 
like objective standard, like the uh, objective standards in photography, but there are definitely objective failures. Yes, absolutely true. Absolutely true. There is no, I I would disagree that there is not objective success in photography as well. So like I, I literally, I kid you not, I have taken some pretty good photos in my life. Like I'm not one to brag on myself a lot. I am haunted every single day by that photo of Casey Winters that his child took of him in front of some like wood paneling. And it looks so good. The like slightly off kilter portrait with like a lot of negative space above it. That child had probably relatively close to no idea what they were doing and took a truly excellent piece of portraiture that I haven't matched personally and I do it intentionally. It's like there are objective successes. Like I think anybody would look at that picture and be like, this is good and interesting. Even if it wasn't intentionally good and interesting. What? Do you think anybody would look at it and say Anybody whose opinion I care about. Mm. Okay, so we're still in like a subjective realm. I mean, yeah, that's always subjective. There are going to be people that hate on good stuff just because it is like, like there's a there's a trend going around in photography Twitter right now to just like drag people that use Photoshop. Why would you and, do that? And like that, that like creating something, creating composite images and doing something different with a photo somehow makes it not artistic. Oh, that's just not true. That's just not, yeah, it's simply, simply untrue. I have a negative review though for this movie and, and I, I stumbled on something weird when I opened the negative reviews for this. Okay, what'd you find? You know, like plenty of times there are reviews that are um, in other languages that they get the, the, little, the little Rotten Tomatoes quips, the blurbs get translated and then you, it says like full review in Spanish or whatever. But right, if you go right, to the negative right. reviews for this movie, Pablo Velaca Velasa, I don't know how to Portuguese works, but this quip is still written in Portuguese. Oh, and it's so just like a negative review in Portuguese? in Portuguese. It's like, no, there's no English words in this. I do have, I, I mean, I have negative okay, reviews. Okay, so though. Dan Jardine, did you want to do the... I mean, yeah, I can do a negative review, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read this negative review, not the one in Portuguese because I don't know how to read Portuguese. Like, I mean, I could I could probably get through the words, but like there's sounds in Portuguese that I don't know how to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to read, and, and also it would be useless because I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm going to read this negative review from Dan Jardine of Cinema mania. Oh, that's the one I wanted to read. I'm so excited. Who said, I love the work that De Niro and Lawrence do here, but ultimately all they do is prove the old adage that you can cover up a lot of problems with the script by hiring good actors, which A, it's just a brutal attack on Bradley Cooper. It is a brutal attack on Bradley Cooper. I will say this though. I do think Lawrence and De Niro do better than Bradley Cooper here. And I do think that he was cast, like poorly cast. You think Bradley Cooper was a bad choice? I think if you listen to the guy's dialogue and you listen to his story, I don't ever get the feeling like when I look at Bradley Cooper, I don't see somebody who was once big and lost weight. Yeah, I mean, that seems like an unimportant detail. But they keep coming back to it and that like I don't know. To me, Bradley Cooper has always looked like Superman. I, also I mean, just, I sent you like, that video earlier of Bradley Cooper from 1999. He does not look different. Just longer hair. No. Yes. I do love me some Bradley Cooper. There's no doubt about it. I, don't, I didn't think he did poorly in this, but he also doesn't look like, like Jennifer Lawrence. I think my first time around with this film, I was pretty lukewarm on Jennifer Lawrence. This time around, this is what she won the Oscar for, right? Um, I believe so. If not, this was an incredible performance. Uh, yeah. Best actress, Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. I, I think that's 100% deserved. I thought she did so incredibly good. And to see such a range with her character here, I thought Lawrence was amazing. So she's a much more believable character than Pat is, just sort of on basis of like, I don't necessarily know that it was Bradley Cooper's issue. Like nobody talks like Pat talks. Well, Pat is definitely going through it. I mean, for sure. But like even going through it, like nobody talks like that. Like what? Give me some examples. So he just, he has like, he says things that do not fit with a person that has the amount of clarity that he has. And I I don't know that that's Bradley Cooper's fault. It's it's sort of like, I, I don't buy him necessarily as a believable character as much as the rest of them. What do you think of uh, De Niro? Yeah, I mean, he, he's the, just the dad in this role. Like, there's this dad is, he's not, he's not breaking the mold here, but he didn't need to. Like, this is your stereotypical, like, probably wasn't around enough as a child sort of like, 
try to make up for it father. Yes. And I think what's interesting to me about the the role De Niro plays here is, uh, well, of course, there's like the interesting dynamic where like he clearly went through a lot of the same struggles and and issues that Pat went through, but he didn't have to deal with them the way Pat does. Like he wasn't sent into a facility. He wasn't sent to anything like that. He was just, he kind of just let himself live his life and sort of work his way through it. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, all right, all right, let's, let's, let's bring the energy back in here. I feel like we've, we've gotten off to a weird start. We're kind of, kind of vibing here. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to a normal energy. So we're talking about, we need a, the uh, characters. The- first of all, is this a one or a zero? I need a binary review. I have a checklist here that says binary review. Silver Linus Playbook is a one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I would put this on a list of like 10 movies to watch if you want to get to know Tyler. Really? Oh, yeah. I so you, you've been talking about this movie for like months now. It's because I, I think that you were under the impression that it left Spotify at some point. Not Spotify. You mean Netflix? Netflix. The, the Spotify of movies. <laughs> right. The the super movie place. Yeah. I, I think you're under the impression that it left Netflix at some point, which to my understanding, it has never done since like 2014. But well. The one thing about this film is that it's not, like, super rewatchable. So it definitely, like, escapes my memory. Not escapes my memory, but, like, falls off my radar for long stretches of time because I don't want to just, like... You know, it's not onward. I'm not just going to sit down and watch it because I really like it. I Like, I really need to be in the right place yeah, to Yeah, so you this. and I definitely have different, like, recommendation cues on movie sites, clearly. Because Netflix, Netflix at all times, even if it's not on there, is like, you might be interested in Silver Linings Playbook. Based on the things you wow. watch, you usually watch Silver Linings Playbook. And I'm like, hey, Netflix, I know. <laughs> it's so good. It is it is oh. extremely good. But so you you in the run up to this have been like it's been on our list every single week since we started the um the the power to the people thing and we really had to throw some spaghetti at it to get it to stick. We did. Yeah. We had to throw whiplash at it, which might have won. I didn't check the tweet. It didn't today. it did not win. It ended up being like I think 55 to 45. Okay. I did not have time to watch Whiplash. So we're reviewing Silver Linings either way. Yeah, that uh, was that was the trick. It's like I knew you had to watch it last night, and it was like fifty-one to forty-nine, and then at one point it got to straight to fifty-fifty, and I was sitting there like, "Oh man, he's in trouble." I know. <laughs> this I, needs I, to I swing. Thought about just watching both, but I think last night I went to bed. I had about twenty minutes left here um, that I was going to do during my lunch break today. Uh, but when I went to bed, it was like fifty-two forty-eight, and I was like, "I think it's going to win because it's been fluctuating, but never all the way to Whiplash having a lead." So I thought, right, Silver Liners, which is a bummer. I really wanted you to watch Whiplash because, like, it is shocking to me that you have not seen it. It's so me, right? It is like, so Silver you. Linus it's Playbook. like it's like a big, heavy film school movie about jazz, specifically about the song Caravan. Yeah, which is which was my my jam back yeah. in the day. Like you will absolutely. Um, you're either gonna love it or be like i do not get why everybody likes this movie i think i'll love it i really like i my understanding is like jk simmons plays like a david goggins type character right no no he would play david goggins if david goggins was absolutely heartless yeah like like push i mean like without the motivation right but like push yourself beyond your limits in everything that you do um no no worse words than good job i mean you, you, you just have to watch it it looks good i'm sure we'll review it on on the old uh, bacon and eggs at some point yeah i did buy it because it's currently like a 99 cent buy on amazon i, I wanted to say this though so i think like whiplash will definitely speak to me when i watch it because it is about like it's exactly what you said it's about jazz it's about pushing yourself it's about the coming of age story in in like this certain type of community and that definitely speaks to a certain part of my personality in fact recently i got like a i don't know where this was that i saw this but it was like a 
your ad's horoscope, essentially. And it was like, we know that you like these things. And it was like, you were a band kid who like, oh no, you know what it was? We uh, we had somebody write something up on Bacon and Eggs. That's what it was. And it was like, Tyler's a band kid who likes all of these different things. And the fact that that's like my identity blows my mind. But I know that it is because if I scroll on the Explore page on Instagram or on TikTok, and I don't follow any accounts, zero accounts that post this kind of content, I will hit on accident, marching band and like jazz trumpet content over and over and over again. So clearly there's something in my behavior that tells the algorithm, this person will like this kind of content. I'm sending you a picture of my Instagram Explore page because it is all uh, like fancy cameras and one photorealistic geodude. Um, <laughs> I wonder what mine looks like right now. But yeah, so I, I knew that I love this movie. I love the movie. I love the book. Um... And this isn't even one where I super want to get into like the difference between the movies and the book because it really is. It's an extremely good adaptation, but it is, is also it, I have not read yeah, the book. It, it is also one where like the differences make sense. It's like a, a the Fault in Our Stars type thing where like there are things that would have played better on screen and they did those things, and there are things that make more sense in the book and they did those things. Where like there are subtle differences right. and you would notice them if you read it and then watched it, but you wouldn't even even if you did that, you're not going to sit there and be like, "Well, I like the book better." It's like th- th- it's a dumb statement. It, it's it's irrelevant. It's right, 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 right. It's not it's not Harry Potter. It's not like oh, I feel like they told this part of the story better. It's just like these are the same exact story, but they are differently different enough that it, it makes sense. I'm not going to lie to you. Have you seen the original cover art for the Silver Linings Playbook? I have not. So I had the um, I had the, had the movie cover, cover, I think. Hang on. I, I assure you, you do. I, yeah, but I want to look it up. I hate movie covers. This is a rare situation where I think the movie cover is better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have never seen this in my life. I would never pick that book up either. No, no. Let's 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 describe it for the listener. Um, This is a self-help book. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like a bad it one. It says, yeah, and it says in the, it's kind of like The Fault in Our Stars. It says in the cloud, the Silver Linings Playbook, and then it says a novel, so you know that it's not a self-help book, which it shouldn't need to announce, at least front and center on that and then there's like a picture of a street that like sort of creates depth i guess that's the street they run on but that wouldn't you would never ever in a million years guess that this book was about two very very broken people no it's like suburban house yeah it looks like it looks like you're looking from a cul-de-sac down the street yeah absolutely you can you can see two people in the distance standing or running Two silhouettes. And it's got a pull quote underneath the title. Oh, it does not help at all. Yeah. Heartwarming, humorous. I can't even read it. Heartwarming, humorous, and soul satisfying. Nancy Pearl NPR. Air quote, summer's best books. Like, that is, this is garbage. And the, 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 the name of the author is written in, like, pencil? In, like, in like kindergarten writing. Yeah. No, okay, so I 100% have the uh, the movie cover. But I don't know that it's the movie cover. I think it's, um, it might be slightly different. But I did get it. I did get it right when the movie was coming out, so that makes sense. Like, obviously, I would have had no other reason to ever read this. No, yeah. This was, this came out at a time where I wouldn't have read, like, grown-up fiction i wouldn't have been interested in a story about a widow and uh wouldn't call this grown-up fiction honestly well if you read the book it is it shares much more of a like it is a it is a ya novel about adults well that's that's closer to proper adult fiction than 
No, but it's it, there's the, a, there's a there's a quintessential difference here between this and the Da Vinci Code. No, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not the Da Vinci Code. You know, what's so interesting to me is this is one thing I love about about perspectives in football and and just in the world. Football is going to be the lens through which I see this. Um, football is an excellent lens through which to see this story. By the way, I would agree. But the lens that I'm talking about is while this story is taking place for a family of Philadelphia Eagles fans really going through it and really having a hard time literally at the same exact time there is a fictional story about uh seven friends playing fantasy football in the most absurd ridiculous comedy tv show of all time you're talking about the league the league what does that have to do with what does the league have to do with silver linings playbook I'm talking about how the same sport of football is is intersecting with so many different stories at the same time and people at different places in their lives. Like the guys in the league would never be in this kind of situation that Pat and his family are going through. Yeah, no, for sure, because that's a comedy. Because yeah, yes. Well, I mean, this is a this is a, a an air quote comedy. This is a Shakespearean comedy because they end up happy in the end. They end up happy together. Nobody, yeah. Nobody dies. Nobody dies. All the dying is done off screen ahead of time. Um. Man goes somewhere and comes back is the comedy. Those, I like those, this movie. Those are your two options. Man goes somewhere and comes back. Man goes somewhere and doesn't come back. Well, he doesn't come back though. He starts in the mental facility here. Uh, yeah, but there's a, there's a other half of that story is the is the idea there. He goes from happy to mental institution to happy. He doesn't start right. happy and end in a mental institution. Right. He ends he ends on the positive side. I guess he's not ending positive for like the uh, people who make money off of the mental institution. This is a sad story for them. Yeah, I mean, so? No, yeah, that's fine. I'm just telling you that, like, those people would prefer repeat customers. Let me tell you a, about a guy. Let me tell you about a guy named Hank Basket. Okay. Uh, Hank Basket was drafted to the Minnesota Vikings and traded to the Philadelphia Eagles in 2006. Mm-hmm. And he is the Deshaun Jackson in the book. Okay. And he was garbage. Well, Deshaun Jackson is not garbage. Deshaun Jackson is not he garbage. Did. But when Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, when this movie was made, was like a rookie. Or it just happened after his rookie season or whatever. And he was an idiot. Yeah. Like, the, the real thing happened where he dropped the ball on the one-yard line. Oh, I know. I mean, that's almost lucky for the filmmakers, though. To have this thing real fever pitch type. referencing. Yeah. This thing they can keep referencing about, like, you could be so great, but you keep dropping the ball on the one-yard line. But so I remember, I, I was a, I'm a big football fan, obviously. I knew who Deshaun Jackson was. And after the, because I read the book before I saw the movie, and the way they talk about Hank Basket in the book and the way he ended up, I laughed out loud the first time I saw the movie and, like, saw that they were drawing a parallel like that, where they thought that they, they were deciding that Deshaun Jackson was going to be this absolute burnout who had one good season, and that was hilarious to me. The problem, do you want to know the problem with Deshaun Jackson? I'll tell you all about it. Deshaun Jackson will forever have the tag of journeyman on his career, because he's been to so many places and done, like, a decent season in so many teams. The problem with Deshaun Jackson is they fly him out to Washington. They've got Kirk Cousins, who's a deep pass quarterback. God, this is an old team. And all you need to do, Ethan, is one play, maybe two, in the first half. Air it out to Deshaun Jackson, the fastest guy on the field. you got a deep pass quarterback, at least good for a few plays. You know what they never freaking did? Because Kirk Cousins was not a deep pass quarterback. He could tell that to Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. All it takes is one deep pass. If he catches it... Then they have to play deep zone the rest of the game. I wouldn't say now, that Kirk Cousins front runs. Front side a, of the field is opened up. I would not say that Kirk Cousins runs a deep offense in Minnesota. 
I say he's throwing some deep passes to Stefan Diggs. I mean, okay, I could throw a deep pass to Stefan Diggs. You could throw a deep pass to Deshaun Jackson. That's the no, point. No, no, you can't. That is the difference between... They made that commercial about Stefan Diggs where he, like, his hands stick to the mailbox. Deshaun yeah. Jackson is not like that. No, you do. You got to gotta get him in the, in the numbers. Yeah, you got to really nail it. And that's what Kirk Cousins has never been good at. I watched Kirk Cousins play against the Minnesota Vikings with you standing next to me at FedEx Field. And that dude could not complete a pass down the field. He was he was okay. overthrowing every single. Granted, this is after Sean Jackson left the Redskins. He was throwing to people I've never heard of. But he was he no, was I have a, what I have a Deshaun Jackson Redskins jersey. He was he was Aaron throwing it over people's heads by fifteen yards. Well, fifteen yards is a deep pass. That's what's considered a deep pass. No, 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 no. Throwing it over people like he was overshooting his receivers who were already downfield by an extra fifteen yards. Yeah, I know. If if we had. Alex Smith and Deshaun Jackson at the same time, and Alex Smith didn't die, we would have really had something special there. Because you know who can throw the ball deep? Alex Smith. Can we talk for 30 seconds about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if we get a football season this year? You mean the, the Super Bowl 55 it's, champions? It's just going to be unreasonable. Who's the? Is it like Andy Reid at coach or something? Somebody no, ridiculous. it's Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians. I knew it was one of those guys. Yeah, the, the other uh, guy. Yeah, Bruce Arians coaching Tom Brady, who is throwing to uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski and OJ Howard. It's gonna be a crazy, crazy team. Like, do they have an O line though? Do they have a they have a defense at all? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about the Bucks. They're they're never bad. Like they, uh, James Winston wasn't great. Um, but like Tannehill came in, not Tannehill. Uh, the other one, Fitzpatrick came in a year Patrick, yeah. a year ago or whatever and just like won a bunch of games fits magic yeah he he put up like six touchdowns in a game that one time it yeah was crazy yeah because he's throwing to mike evans and chris godwin yeah they're very good so we'll see what we'll see what tom brady can finally do when he actually has like people to throw to i'm curious well he had he had the best team in history it was the 07 pats right that was the team that was supposed to be like the greatest team of all time like randy moss and and tom brady yes yeah. i mean that's it that's the whole thing but anyway so, Wes welker so, and so football and silver linings playbook the, the playbook part of this name of the name of this book is is wild like it makes you think it's going to be more about football than especially the cover would suggest it also makes you think it's going to be more about like the the plays. You remember in How I Met Your Mother when Barney's got like the playbook? Yeah. You feel like there's going to be this plan. Like you're, you're, I'm going to do this so yeah. that I know this final you're, result. You're waiting, for his, take... you're waiting for his therapist to use football to teach him how to be okay. And he doesn't. And he doesn't. That scene never happens. Yeah. I do like the therapist though. I think he's a good character. Yeah, he's great. You know, and, and, he, and he presents the... the Although he's he's not, he's kind of a jerk. Like th- there's some times in this movie and this is this is every movie about like... It's lots of movies. It's 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 Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. It's any movie about like mental illness, any movie about like kids. It's like just listen to the guy and you'll maybe learn something because like at the beginning when Pat first goes to see the therapist, the therapist like plays the song in the lobby just to mess with him and see how he's going to respond. Yeah. And that's I, that's I straight up like messed that. up. And then and then yeah. and then he tells the cop about it. And the cop is like, "We heard about your explosion at the at the therapist's office." And I'm and I'm sitting here like a rational person being like, "Man, th- Screw this. Like, y'all are messing with this dude for no reason. Just right. listen His to support him. Hear him out. From right. all angles is garbage. I can't, I cannot imagine. Like, yes, he created his own tragedy for sure. Like, he, he had his own problems. Um, he should have thought ther- sought therapy sooner. It sucks his wife cheated on him, but also, like, he basically beat the guy half to death. He created his own tragedy, but still, like, I cannot imagine trying to heal from an event like that with the support system that he has. No, I completely agree. I feel like 
the family, everybody around him is is still so selfish, not rooting for his success. Like the father and his addiction to gambling. What blows my mind is that maybe I've just never been around the like sports bookie world. But the fact that they're like family friend Randy is willing to literally take all of their money is like, why would you agree to this? Why would you not just be like, oh, it was a good game. Okay, anyway, here's your money back. I cannot imagine that. This is what, so this is what the, uh, specifically Philadelphia is like. Well, yeah. This is how Philadelphia is portrayed. This is how Philadelphia, no, I know, okay. Philadelphia is the worst. I also love Philadelphia. It's crazy. Oh, dude, I have this terrible problem with Philadelphia where my favorite foods are probably Philly cheesesteaks and pretzels. So I ended up in I ended up in Philadelphia like I spent a lot of, not a lot of time but like I you know I go on tour a lot or I used to before everything happened so I, I'm used to spending like one day in places mm-hmm. but I spent like I ended up spending throughout all the tours I did and and just the the fact that like we were sort of based out of Philadelphia on one of those for a couple of days because we had dates all over the place around there. Like, I ended up spending, like, seven or eight full days in Philadelphia last year. And they were great. Like, I met some amazing people. I saw some amazing things. I, I really like Philadelphia. It's very, it's a very cool city, very interesting city. But also, like, there's just some garbage people there. And and you watch shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Watch movies like this and Invincible, another movie about football, about the Eagles. And, and, and it's all the same portrayal of these Philly people. It's a weird city. It is. It's and not like, like I know Eagles fans that live outside of Philadelphia that are the same way. Like they, they, this, this is when it comes um, to football. Yeah, this is the culture. Right. It's like uh, my my Kate's sister's boyfriend's entire family are big Eagles fans. Like some of them are from there. Huge Eagles fans, yeah. and they're they're exactly like this. So and, 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 and like, the thing is that that's not an insult to them. They look at this movie and go, yeah, hell yeah, go birds. I hate that they call them the birds. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they they talk, uh, they're the team that throws snowballs at Santa Claus, man. Like, I, I don't know. Phil- yeah. Philadelphia is wild, I mean, but like that is that is the Philadelphia thing, man. And that is that is the white trash part of football that you and I don't get involved in is the like bookie thing. No, I don't get involved in that. And I don't know. I know that it would make me more invested and care more. And I think I'm fine with my current level of care. This thing is like, it's just even, like it's it's. It's just like drug addiction. Like, yeah, Randy is totally down to take all the family's money. Just the way that, like, if Randy and Patricio were, you know, heroin addicts, Randy would just let him overdose. Like, it's not a problem. It's just part of the, yeah, it's part of the culture. It's just part of the culture, I yeah. just, like, for me, even with football, I don't even like putting more than $20 into a fantasy football league. And then I, like, don't want to collect if I win. I'm like, nah, just keep your money. It's no big deal. We had, everybody had fun, right? We had fun. I don't so want to money, take your money. It's, it's, it's a tough road with gambling on sports, especially because money is a fun way to... A small amount of money is a fun way to put stakes on something. Like with fantasy yes. football. If I put $10, $15, 20 $50 into a fantasy football league, I'm more likely to set my lineups to like look hard at stuff because I've got something, anything on the line. It's like, right. okay, if I come out of the season and there's 12 people, we all put in 20 bucks. And I have, you know, a chance to win $200 or whatever, $300. Like, that's awesome. I'm, I'm going to play for that a lot harder than I would if there's nothing on the line. If it's $5, I'll still play like that because there's something on the line. But it's, it's you know, would I bet all the money I need for my restaurant startup? Which, like, that just tells you so much about Patrizio Sr. Is that, like, he's in, he's in this massive gambling addiction and the way he's going to get out of it is to, like, open a Philly sub shop. Like, that is, that is the white trashness that, that you and I... Because we, where we're from, we don't have that kind of white trash, man. We we have like there's we have trailer trash, right? Yeah. This is a whole different. This is urban white trash, and they have the yeah. birds. I'll tell you, I 
my, it's, it's, it's got to be an impossible environment. The, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to tell you, my team is in the NFC East. The NFC East, for those of you non-football fans, is the Dallas Cowboys, the Washington Redskins, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New York Giants. It's every team every team is in one of, what is it, eight? Eight divisions, yes. Yeah. Uh, and the NFC East is like traditionally like America's rivalries. And the yeah, there, there's no bigger... There's no bigger four-team rivalry anywhere in any sport. Right. And Emily, my wife, used to have, like, season tickets to the Redskins. Every year, if you're in the same division as a team, you play them twice. Once at home and once there. Yeah. We will not go to the Eagles game. Yeah. Because the parking lot is exactly like that. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't go to an Eagles game. I wouldn't go to a Giants game. I would go to a Cowboys game because Cowboys fans are harmless. No, I think the Giants fans are more harmless than Cowboys fans. No way, dude. No way. The, 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 the Giants have such a less widespread fan base oh yeah i feel like like the cowboys are like america's team right like if you like you run into cowboys like, yeah, fans like everywhere like they're all over the place yeah. so i can't i can't imagine like and dallas i mean it, you're talking dallas is a cool city and you're talking about a football state like the cowboys fans every cowboys fan i've ever met to some level has had some respect for the game as a whole and this is the thing the eagles fans and giants fans more so than any most other football teams cannot get is like why you would like any other team i don't get why you'd like any other team truthfully what it comes down for me is i honestly think in football you've got the nfc east You've got how you feel about the Patriots and how you feel about the Packers. I truly feel like those are the only teams that matter across the league. No, that's not true. What other team? Maybe the Steelers have the some Steelers, culture. Uh, the Steelers, Chicago Bears. Bears have some culture. Um, I mean, you, you. I'm sorry. Did you ever go to the Buffalo Wild Wings in Newport News? It's the damn. It's a San Francisco Niners, 49ers fan San club. San Francisco. Yeah, the Niners. The they Niners. Have, no, you have, have you have a lot of teams that are like. Oh, yeah, there's a certain level of I don't understand why you'd be an Arizona Cardinals fan if you don't live in Phoenix. The Chargers? I don't, uh, no, 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 man. San Diego Super Chargers. Let's go. That's a team. They got that powder blue no. uniform, man. That's a team. You can get behind the Chargers. No. You're about to you see get, a <laughs> lot of... I'll tell you what's about to be America's team is the Vegas Raiders. Oh, yeah. That's, That's America's team. team in all the land. Because the, the, Las Vegas, my, my favorite city. Vegas got the their... Land, I've never been there. I want to go so bad. But Vegas got the hockey team, man. The Knights... And the Knights pulled like a an expansion draft Stanley Cup run. Like they yeah. lost they lost to the Caps like four to two or whatever in the in the Stanley Cup in their first season ever with a bunch of like thirty year olds, thirty five year olds that everybody was like, oh, these guys are all past their prime, and they're like, yeah, okay, sure. So let me tell you what Vegas is like. You know how if you go to New York, you can buy like an I Heart New York T shirt or whatever. Yeah. Well, Vegas has that, right? They have the sign, and the sign is on like every piece of memorabilia. Right. There is more Vegas Golden Knights memorabilia available for sale and worn by patrons in Vegas than anything else combined. Yeah, because they, they got the one team, man. They've been waiting so long for a team. And, but also, like, you're not just going to have, have Vegas people because Vegas, obviously, the people, like, what we forget about Las Vegas is people live there. Like, it's a real city, like, made of human yeah. beings. And those yeah. people need a team, but also like Vegas is America's city. We all own Vegas, even those of us that have never been there because it's such a tourist destination that you don't feel like, you know, like you go to New York and you're like, oh, I'm a tourist in New York. You know, it doesn't belong to you. You're not a New Yorker. God, right. God forbid exactly. you say that. But Vegas is everybody's city. Yeah. And like, and, 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 and the Raiders have always been like a, like a kind of bad boy, like hardballing type team. And I'm excited for them to move to Vegas. I'm excited to see how it actually plays out. Um, but no, I wish John Gruden would learn how to coach a freaking game again. What happened there? The NFC East is something else, though. I mean, like, 
Because you talk to an Eagles fan, and there's no argument that you can make. There, there's no love of the game for them. They, they have love of the Eagles. Like, you and I could sit around and talk about, like, you're probably pretty bitter that Tom Brady left New England. I know you're a big Patriots fan. Um, Maybe not as big as the Redskins. Maybe more. It depends on the year. And I know that you love Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And it's got to suck for you to see these people in a new uniform. But, like, you and I can sit there and talk about how stoked we are for the NFL to have a team like that put together. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what the Buccaneers are going to do. And I, I will say my stock on the Patriots is probably at its lowest right now, right? My two favorite of all time players no longer play there. Yeah. Uh, like uh, the Packers just drafted a quarterback and that's going to be tough for me when Aaron Rodgers leaves. It really is. Because I'm like, really, really excited to see him in Washington, though. I think he's going to do well. I don't think he's going to go to Washington. <laughs> He'll I don't go think to, so either. Yeah. We, do you know how expensive Alex Smith is with one leg? Still extremely expensive. No, I will, we'll see. We'll see how it hangs up. Although I, I I don't know how much of it is still speculation about like, I, I, I don't know what it's actually feeling like up there. What do you think? What do you think? What do you, here's it. I'll throw this out there. Aaron Rodgers and the Chargers. I mean, yeah, I, I could see Fri- it. Philip Rivers got too many kids to play another ball game. Nah, Philip Rivers will play until he dies. Why would you not? You're Philip freaking Rivers, man. I love Philip Rivers so much. Philip Rivers always good for. It's like uh, Green Bay had a hell of a run this year, man. We won 13 games, lost three, and one of those losses was like a bad, bad, bad loss to the Chargers. And I didn't feel the least bit bad about it. Like, yeah, we got smoked by Philip Rivers. Fine. I'm always down for Philip Rivers I have to smoke no, somebody. That's that's the thing. That's it's such Phil, a good wild Rivers, card in the league. Yeah, Philip Rivers is good for an insane game a couple times a year. And if you're the team that he happens to break off against, you're just gonna lose. Like you just are. Doesn't matter who you are, you're yeah. gonna lose. Are they a threat? No, not really. But they're not. They're not going anywhere. Don't they have to play the Seahawks? They're not going anywhere. No, they're AFC. Oh, who is in their division? Uh, Broncos, Raiders, and. <laughs> If you hadn't have asked me, I could have told you. Um, is it AFC West? AFC is West. AFC West is who the heck am I forgetting? Broncos, Chiefs, Chiefs. Oh yeah, Mahomes. There you go. So yeah, they're not. Mahomes is the one. Yeah, they're yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a wild card. I am so card, glad but... that I am alive to see an era where Patrick Mahomes plays football. Man, he's so good. Dude is just everything the league needed. All the young guys are Mahomes and uh, who's the guy in Baltimore? Oh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. Real deal football players. Yeah, the next generation, the next archetype. Yeah, man, you're 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 Michael Vick, right? You're looking at and listener, if you're going to tweet at me about Michael Vick right now, delete the app. Just stop. I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested in your in your take. Um, you're Michael Vick right now and looking at where the league is heading, and you're going, man, I wish I was 20. Oh yeah, this is Mike Vick's league. Oh yeah, absolutely. I do. Think anyway, Michael Silver Linings Playbook, which really, really isn't a movie about football. In fact, Pat never actually watches a game or makes it into the game. That's kind of the point, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think we should talk about the movie and less about football. Let's we can cover Friday Night Lights next week, and we'll talk about nothing but football. It's fine. But let's talk about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie. <laughs> um, Jennifer Lawrence is a fantastic actress. Uh, also, Mandy Moore is in this, which is, I mean, that's just a chef's kiss right there. Uh, anything with Mandy Moore is better. Um, Wait, who is Mandy Moore in this? It's the friend's wife, right? It is? Oh, am I wrong? I could I thought be that wrong. was Julia Stiles. No, that's Mandy Moore. It's gotta yeah. be. Yeah, it's Julia Stiles. Oh, look at me. I'm wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, the, that's the joke. They always talk about Jennifer Lawrence and Julia Stiles looking exactly alike, or they did when Jennifer Lawrence was in uh, The Hunger Games. And then Julia oh, Stiles. Oh, my God. What? You're right. Yep. Yeah. And then Julia Stiles was the, her movie is like Save the Last Dance, which is the same movie as this. No, I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. No, it absolutely is. I've never heard of Save the Last Dance. Oh, there it is. I got a 52%. 
No, yeah, no her movie is ten things I hate about you. Yeah, okay, but like it's she she's <laughs> in this like movie about like two unlikely people meeting up for a big dance number at the end in like a dance competition. So what did you think about the fact that they like they never were good at dance? I thought that was a really valuable. No, they, yeah, they win. The, I mean, they lose the thing. They they get, they get crushed. Everybody's like, you know, oh sorry guys, that's. You, you tried really hard and they they wait two seconds and then bust out and then the whole South Philly trash crew comes in and starts freaking out in this like white tie gala. Incredible. So good. Yeah, the writing in this is, is, so, so is phenomenal. It, it, it moves and shifts and dodges and weaves so many times that like you think it's going one place, it goes somewhere else. And like he meets up, he actually meets up with Nikki at the end. Yeah, I and thought I'm, that even, was super... Even watching this time, I'm always surprised because I I always think she's lying about the letter. Well, she is lying about the letter, right? She Like she wrote the return letter. Did she? Yeah, that's like the reveal. Okay, so that she yeah, says, that, that's that's true. Okay, okay. I, I missed that this time. I guess I looked at my phone or something, wasn't paying attention. Um, because I always thought that was the case, but it was like it's been enough time since I last watched it that I couldn't remember exactly how it goes down. Did you cry? Did you cry at the end? I cried. No. Uh, not I didn't this think time. I was going to actually I was I was probably fifteen minutes out and I was like, Man, I'm I'm not invested enough to cry here. And then uh he gets out there outside and he says, I wrote that letter a week ago and I oh, I'm about to break down right now. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I do love he oh. goes up to Nikki to basically be like, Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for the time you spent in my life. Like, I appreciate you, but I'm going to go do me now. And that's a, that's I don't a powerful thing. He does ending. appreciate her. There's a really big moment in the film that I did not catch until this time around where he tells the therapist that he did, like, call the cops on her because she thought that her and the history teacher were embezzling money from the school. And that happened, like, before the whole thing. Yeah. Before he had any reason to suspect anything. And I think that that reveals so much about his character that, like, you've never been stable. No, and yeah, later never. on it's revealed that like because uh, you keep getting pieces of the actual story one piece at a time. Like we go from like oh you know they were they were teachers together and whatever, and then we get that like he had this thought that they had this plot against him, and then we feel find out that he's just like a sub, and he's he's never yeah. been the smart one in the room. He's never been the like the top dog in this relationship. Yeah, so he, we find out that he's a sub. I forgot about that detail. We he, also find out. Um, and he says so many things offhandedly. This is why I think Bradley Cooper does such a good job because he's he's got the one scene where they're, where he's explaining their relationship to Tiffany and he's like, you know, we fight, couples fight. We, we you know, we get in arguments. We don't talk yes, for three yes. weeks. It's normal. And I'm sitting there like, yes. it, you, it runs through it so quick and he delivers it so well that you don't even notice it unless you're listening for it and you get that, the like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't talk for weeks? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that when I was watching. I always think about, I remember being a kid and seeing scenes like this and thinking like, oh, I guess that's just like something that's going to end up happening to me. But it's not. It, it, like, I can tell you right now, if Emily and I don't talk for a day, it's like a major, major problem. And I don't think we've ever not well, yeah, talked absolutely for not. a Yeah, absolutely not. You don't go to bed angry. You can't go to, can't go to bed angry. We, we don't go to bed angry. We've stayed up late. We've had arguments and yeah, we've same. stayed up late. But um, yeah, no. 100%. But then he changes in the movie and he has that conversation where, uh, I don't remember who it was that even said it. Oh, he's... he's I guess he, I think he's talking to Ronnie or whatever. And he says, though, like, well, who told you you can't be happy all the time? Yeah. And you can see the shift that Pat has made over the course of the movie because he goes from like, oh, it's normal to not talk to your wife for three weeks. And he goes to, wait, who told you you can't be happy all the time? And both of them are so subtly delivered. This is, again, this is why I have the issue with the dude, like, acting like Jennifer Lawrence and, and Bradley Cooper, were the only, I mean, uh, and De Niro were the only people in this movie. So I do think Bradley Cooper does an exceptional job with this character. 
he definitely does. I just don't think he was... I think that Bradley Cooper did everything that he could for this character. I just don't think he looks the part. That's all. That's my only I, thing. Yeah, I, I think that's a... Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not calling you out or anything. I'm not trying to insult you here. I think that's a dumb reason not to like it. Oh, I don't dislike it. No, but I just, I, I think, I just, I just think that's a dumb complaint. Like, I, the, he looks like the character... Looks is a stupid thing for me in movies, especially when it's adaptations. It's like it just you, you pick the actor because of what you wanted him to portray, like fit it a little bit. You know, don't keep don't keep harping on the fact that like, oh, he used to be fat. And even the first thing Nikki says, like, wow, you lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And it just I get that it's to underscore. It gives him a reason to like obsessively work out and have that compulsion. But also it is to underscore like how everybody in his life was to him. Oh yeah, she was she was like terribly mean to him. Yeah. Right. Like it wasn't just that like she had this toxic husband who then she cheated on because she was in a bad relationship. Like she was a bad person right. to him before any of that. And this movie is such a commentary on how we treat people with mental illnesses diagnosed or not is that like people in Pat's life just abuse him because he's a little like left to center. Despite the fact that they are all that way. Right. Despite the fact that he and his dad are the same person to the point where his people compare him to his, he gets locked up for beating a dude half to death and gets thrown in a mental institution and he still comes out like, yeah, my dad's the bad guy here. And, and, and you yeah. have to pay attention to that mindset because that is so telling of what you know, he actually went through. Right. Oh, there's so much depth here. This is such a good freaking movie, Ethan. And like, you see it all the time. Like everything keeps happening to this dude. And no matter what, whether it's his fault or not, whether he blows up at anything or not, that freaking cop is always there down his neck. Just, he shows up out of nowhere at the movie theater. Like he's been trailing the dude, you know? I think he's got to. He's got to what? I actually, I, I didn't think the cop was a bad guy. I thought the cop had his best interests at heart. I thought the cop of, of the support system, I thought the cop was one of the better ones. Really? Yeah. I don't know, man. It doesn't strike me as the cop being willing to like listen to him at all. Like I know the cop has the a cop... job to do, but also like the dude doesn't try to understand anything that's going on in Pat's life. But he doesn't want Pat to get in trouble. He's not showing up after he elbows his mom and punches his dad and putting him in handcuffs. He's telling him, you know, I'm going to write a report, but I'm going to let you stay here. You know, he's not... Yeah, not bringing him in. I think that's good. No, I, I and I get where you're coming from there. It's just like, and I get that it's just for dramatic purposes, but it's anything. The dude's there the second anything happens, whether it's Pat's fault or not. But it always becomes Pat's fault. Right. Like, yes, he doesn't want Pat to go to jail, but he also is not willing to believe that Pat didn't start things. Oh, yeah. There's definitely like the scene like in front of the Pat movie theater diagnosed. where like, yeah, Pat's being a jerk, but like, or wherever they are after they come out of the diner. Like, yeah, Pat's being a jerk. He says some stuff, but like she causes a scene on purpose. She does it to mess. She's trying to push him into like having a breakthrough. Right. But instead, she's just pushing him down into the water. She's drowning him. Right. And the second the cop shows up, he's like, Pat, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't be acting like this, dude. And and Pat didn't do anything. He says some rude stuff to her. I mean, for sure. Can I tell you one thing? This is not un, not unrelated, but a little bit little bit shifted topic. I don't know the song My Sharia Amore by Stevie Wonder. Um, Yeah, I didn't either. I think in the book, it's and something by Kenny G. The, the, my problem with this is that the song is not recognizable enough from even as like a song. It almost feels like incidental music every time it's playing. It yeah. doesn't. And, and and they really have to hit you with like, oh, he's, oh, 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 this is the song. Okay, okay. And now I'm in. Yeah, I got it. But right. it takes a second. I thought that was a, a bad move. Yeah, I could have picked really anything. I would have preferred, uh, oh God, let me get this joke right. Hold on, hold on. I would have preferred My Wish by Rascal Flats. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just think that's a funny song. Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flats. 
You really think a couple from South Philly is going to get married to Rascal Flats? Like, that's going to be their wedding song? Do you think Deshaun Jackson gets married to Life is a Highway by Rascal Flats? No. Well, you said he was a journeyman. Life is a Highway is a cover. I know. All Rascal uh, Flats songs are covers. Are they? Most of them, yeah. Not the other ones I just mentioned. You know, Deshaun Jackson is married? I did not. Oh, um, he's not married. That's What hurts that's the most by Rascal Flats is a cover? Uh, no way. Yeah. I haven't so much to say. What hurts the most? Well, they show up first. When when I first got into country music was, uh, I, I mean, I was definitely, like, it'd been a, like probably 10 years. Uh, Matt, no, I'll, I'll tell you what. Three I, or four years. I saw Rascal Flats live one time. It was not good. No, I thought I always thought of them as the Backstreet Boys of country music. I mean, I can see that. Mark Wills in 2003 originally sang "What Hurt the Most." Mark Wills, who? What did Mark Wills do? Mark Wills was that? He was he the 1970 something guy? Hang on. Yeah, 19 something. That's absolutely it. Yeah, Mark Wills. You know that song? Poor guy. Oh, 19 something. When did he write that song? Uh, 2002. Man, you were really nostalgic quick, buddy. I guess he was like, that was 20 I've seen years. stuff they put inside. Strange Armstrong. Yeah, but we're still nostalgic for the 80s. Yeah, I, I, this is what I was, te- I've, I've talked about, mm, talked about this on this freaking show before when you were like, oh yeah, we're about to get this uh, 100%. It's about to move into this 2000s nostalgia. I'm like, it's just not. We're still stuck on the 80s. Like maybe less so than usual. And there is some, some 2000s nostalgia coming in, but like we're still stuck on the 80s. There's, you 80s were just talking were about, best. you were just talking about people on TikTok doing 1985 by Bowling for Soup. I saw, I've seen one TikTok of 1985 by Bowling for Soup. I've seen a bajillion TikToks of, do you know this mid-2000s pop-punk song? I mean, that Bully for Soup, 1985 is a mid-2000s pop-punk song, but whatever. Exactly. It's about 1985. I'm drinking a beer called 1985 right now. I'm drinking a beer. Actually, I finished it, but it was called Buena Vista. What does that mean? What? Buena Vista. It means good beer. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a smush, a, 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 whatever you call it. A portmanteau. Portmanteau of Buena and Cerveza. I see. That would be a portmanteau. I would have thought I, that would have been I'm obvious about to our, anybody I'm, reading the beer, but apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess cerveza it didn't make enough sense to me. I did like it's it's not a word I'm so familiar with that it would have been. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. But that's the joke people uh, make is like the only thing I know how to say in Spanish is you know una cerveza por favor. <laughs> did you know? Bringing it back to fun facts. Uh, I, yeah, 2006, the 2006 uh, Shakespearean tragedy, Tristan and Isolde, starred James Franco what? as Tristan. Okay, so? And Henry Cavill as Milot. Okay, what, what does this I matter? Just, I didn't, what do you mean, what does this matter? Like, what, is it, what, what does this have anything to do with anything? Oh, uh, you want to know how I got here? I'll tell you. So, Julia Stiles was in Silver Linings Playbook, which led me to lead to look and see all the things that she was in. Turns out she's the Bourne girl. Yeah. Or at least one, a girl that is in the Bourne movies. Uh, and she was in a film called Isolde, which I would imagine is the same story. Yeah, for sure. And she yeah, was in so a Shakespearean that's... comedy of Taming of the Shrew in 10 Things I Hate About You. Whatever. What are you getting at? That's how I got there. Okay. I, was, I was thinking about Tristan and Isolde. Because I was thinking about uh, when they would put out those commercials that were like... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. She was in a little trip to heaven as a character named Isolde. Cool. Anyway, what are you talking about? What are we talking about? Silver Linings Playbook, a movie that does not star James Franco. But it does star Julia Child. Child Styles. Julia Styles. I wouldn't say it stars her. 
No, she's got like, I don't know, five or six lines. Yeah, she she is mad that Pat wears the uh, football jersey to dinner. That is her important yes. characteristic. Yes, well, it's that she controls Ronnie. She controls Ronnie, she's still friends with Nikki, and she hates Pat because Pat wears football jerseys to dinner. To be fair, if I had a nice dinner, I mean, Pat, I would give Pat some leeway, of course. That's so that's, this is what I'm thinking about is I, I feel for Pat a lot in this movie because I, I have lived through a tragedy in my life where it took me some time to heal and it's still taking me some time to heal and return fully to normal. And like, I did not have a support system that would have told me I could not wear a Deshaun Jackson jersey to dinner. I would have been very excited. I would have been like, why'd you steal my jersey? But yeah, it's, it's real small on me. It's real small on me. It's, uh, I think it's one of those like real deal jerseys or something. I don't know. The neck hole is tiny. But yeah, like my, I had an incredible support system through that whole tragedy and, and Pat did not. Like these and people in my life would, they would have been like, yeah, dude, wear a jersey to dinner. Like if that makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel whole and like a real person, go for it because your brother we're, gave it to you, we'll go for it. We'll all wear jerseys. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird you never told you had a brother, but like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. I did think the brother was an interesting character. He doesn't show up for a long time. You only kind of hear mention of him here and there. And then all of a sudden he's there and you're like, oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't know they were actually going to like cast somebody so for this. I, I know that it, I, I wasn't going to say this, but like, it, I do think this is one of the weird things between book to movie. Like in the book, he's at home waiting for Pat with the dad. And like, that's when he gives him the jersey. I did not know that. I sorry, I was rubbing my eyeballs. So like, there's a there's a much more immediately established relationship there, and it seems like they just honestly like forgot, or they were like, there's just gonna be too many people in this house already. Like, especially once we add Chris Tucker or whatever, whoever that guy is. I loved Chris Tucker. Is that character. Chris Tucker? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, I'm still on uh, a little trip to heaven, the 2007 film in which uh, yeah Julius Stiles plays. He sold. Yeah, he plays uh, Chris uh, Tucker. Yeah, plays Danny, Chris the jailhouse Tucker. lawyer. Yes. He gets pretty high billing on here as well. Where's Chris Tucker? Okay. A lot of big Rush Hour fans out there. I mean, those are big movies. Okay. I guess. Only only, uh, only three movies on Chris Tucker's tenure show a box office dollar amount. Uh, and Rush Hour 3 did do better than Silver Linings Playbook, at least domestically, by $8 million at $140 million. Uh, and then the third one is Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which got a 43% and made $1.8 million. Yeah, but I mean, like, who was Bradley Cooper at this point either? The guy from Nip Tuck? Fourth Banana and The Hangover? Like, well, he was like the main character of The Hangover, right? Uh, yeah, but like, he's the one everybody hates. He's the dick. He was good in The Hangover. He's good in everything. He's an exceptionally good actor. He is an exceptionally good actor. You talk, uh, he was in I, Limitless, I, I, The Hangover. Oh, Limitless is such a good crashers. movie. Holy crap. Yeah. God, I he's forgot about that one. He's a lot of stuff leading up to this. He, he's been active since uh, 2001. Yeah, but, but he he wasn't anything... Like, this is his. This was his, like... I would say this was his breakthrough. Oh, yeah. The, the script changes here. He has, every so often, uh, a certified fresh movie up until Silver Linings Playbook. After Silver Linings Playbook, he has had four rotten movies. And uh, they were The Hangover. Hangover Part 3, Serena, Aloha, and Burnt. Otherwise, uh, you've got... Uh, I mean, he was, uh, he was Chris Pines. Kyle. He was uh, American Raccoon. Hustle, Guardians of the Galaxy, American Sniper, Joy, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, War Dogs, Galaxy Volume 2, Infinity War, Stars Born, Stars Born Encore, The Mule, Endgame, and he produced Joker. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he um, would have gotten the Oscar for that. Like he would, if, oh, if Joker yeah, won right. Best Picture, he would have like gone up and collected the Oscar. So I watched. Now that you um, say that, I do. I sent that. you the video today of Bradley Cooper in 1999 asking Sean Penn about some stupid movie that Sean Penn was in, and that was so. For some context, there, I don't know how familiar you are with Inside the Actor Studio. The Bradley Cooper was a second year in acting school at that point. In 2001. 
1999 when a net interview happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, like yeah. when he was he was on TV sitting front. That's a class basically that, you, that you're watching when you right. watch inside the actor studio. Like the, the the people in the audience are James Lipton's students. Like he was the dean of the actor studio, which is a drama school for stage and film actors in New York. We should we should go there. Like go to acting school. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather go to like film school, honestly, like normal film school and like be a director. I think I'd rather act personally. I, I would. Yeah, I would we much, should make a movie. I would much rather like, yeah, be, be the director of the cinematographer or something. Um, but yeah, so like Bradley Cooper did the normal thing and like went to film school and like did the actor studio and, and you can hear James Lipton. Uh, I was watching him on something. I can't remember today. Talk about Bradley Cooper and like how James Lipton knew he was going to be or in, in his mind. The metric of success was always that when he got to interview a former student, like a student who had gone far enough to merit interviewing on inside the actor studio. And he talked about interviewing Bradley Cooper and like how cool of a moment that was for him. Remembering this kid that like came into class bright eyed in 1990 and like did an audition in front of him and then was came, went on to be Bradley Cooper and like make these incredible movies that people like the stars born the people in this that people love um and it was very cool to listen to him talk about that and talk about like you know Bradley Cooper got some crazy award for doing some Shakespearean drama on Broadway and it was like his master's thesis for acting school or whatever and it's it's things you don't know about Bradley Cooper because he just seems like this guy that kind of came out of nowhere doing movies like the A-Team and The Hangover, and then all of a sudden was like, I'm a serious actor now? I do serious acting. Yeah, I do. I do big work now. He was in The A-Team. I did not realize that. Yeah, he's like the Chris Evans character in The A-Team. Yep. Who else was like this? There was somebody else that recently uh, it's, it's made... Cr- it's Chris Evans is who you're looking for. No, Chris Evans is like a director. He like he like makes movies, and then he puts himself in them, and they're okay. Chris Evans does? Uh, yeah. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, he's directed a few. He also, I mean... Well, Bradley Cooper wrote and directed A Star is Born. That's true. Granted, he was working he was, from some heavy source material. It's yeah, the fourth time that he was the first made, one to, to ever do that, right? Uh, he's the first one to do it successfully. Uh, I finally watched that. I was, I, It was all right. What was all right? A Star is Born. Oh, you didn't you didn't think it was great? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. It's just, it's, it's like, there was no reveal for me, I guess. I I didn't know the story at all. Yeah, I've um, I've seen it. This is the fourth different version. I've I've seen all of them before this. So like I I knew he was gonna die. I didn't know he was gonna pee on stage. Yeah, he was gonna have this tremendous breakdown. I listened to um, who was talking? Who was talking about this movie? It was it was uh, Jason Isbell talking about. A Star is Born, and how, like, they asked him to write a song for it, and he didn't want to do it because he was busy or whatever, and then his wife was like, nah, it's it's gonna be good, like, it's Bradley Cooper, and he was like, okay, I'll write a song for Bradley Cooper, and then, because he, I guess he'd written songs for movies before, and they'd never really, like, they took the song and were just like, okay, we're gonna do it now, and didn't really ask him for any input. And then he talked about this story of like getting iPhone demos of the song, like like voice memo recordings from Bradley Cooper of him singing the song and like getting advice and like, you know, running it by him before they, they cut the final version and whatever. And Jason Isbell didn't even realize that this was going on the whole time. He's just like, keep getting these weird messages from Bradley Cooper, like him singing my songs and like finally talking to him about it. Bradley Cooper was like, yeah, I was just like really nervous about singing your songs. Like, I love you as a songwriter. And I was very excited to to get to sing this. And I really wanted your approval. And he's like, oh, shit, man, I would have just given it to you. I had no idea. I really like what you're doing from the beginning. <laughs> and just, every time go. I hear more about the way that Bradley Cooper thinks, I, I like it more every every word I hear about him. Like the way he thinks about movies, the way he makes movies, just the whole kind of thing. He strikes me as like a, a lot like this. I like him for the same reasons I like Ryan Johnson, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I'd just be very interested to pick his brain about how he thinks about movies compared to some people. Yes. 
I'm excited for the upcoming Bradley Cooper, Ryan Johnson work they're doing together. I mean, that would be, you, you joke, but that would be phenomenal. It'd be the kind of thing they do also. Yeah, absolutely. And he would wear a really cool sweater. Like, it'd be awesome. <laughs> I do think I, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is not in the MCU, right? In any capacity? Um, no, she's Mystique, but. She's Mystique and she's. She's Katniss Everdeen. There's her, like, quote-unquote fandom Yeah, those presence, are her right? franchise movies, her fandom movies, yeah. She is, like, not in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> You'd think that she is, though, right? There's something that's like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence is in the MCU, right? But she's she's not. It's very weird to me. I mix her, and, and for no reason in particular, but I get, like, roles that she and Scarlett Johansson have done mixed up. I was just gonna say the same thing, yep. I don't know why, though. She's in some good freaking movies. She was also in Passengers. You guys didn't like Passengers. You you guys being the collective. I mean, did you like Passengers? There. I did, yeah. Really? Like, genuinely? Yeah, I remember seeing it and being like, oh, I liked this. I remember seeing um, it being so freaking disappointed. I mean, it's it's a 31% on, on Rotten Tomatoes, which honestly, like, doesn't surprise me. Like, it was, I didn't watch it and think like, oh, this is, this is groundbreaking excellence. But I thought that her and Chris Pratt had some chemistry on, on, on the cam- Camara, Chimera. Uh, Onward did a lot for me for Chris Pratt, but Passengers is when I really started to go cold on Pratt, truthfully. Hmm. That was when I stopped feeling like they were giving him characters, I think. Maybe before yeah, that. That's so weird. It's so weird that you say that because I feel like Passengers, like, even though it's pretty similar, but like pa- like between uh, he plays Jim Preston, Passengers and Star-Lord are like pretty similar characters. They're both so vastly different from Andy, Andy Dwyer. That I feel like they're not just making him play some idiot. Okay, but like you got, so he's Andy Dwyer, right? And that basically takes up his whole first part of his career. And then he becomes Peter Quill, like in the middle of yeah. filming Parks and Rec. Like they they sent him to London for a year so he could film Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And they come back and they're like, wow, Andy, you got skinny. And he was like, yeah, I stopped drinking beer. Yeah. Which I still think is hilarious because they, they had him gone for like six weeks and he came back like Finn. They were like, how much beer were you drinking? And he was like, a lot. Apparently a lot. Yeah. But then he goes to Peter Quill uh, and he does a great job of Peter as Peter Quill in Guardians 1, right? Mm-hmm. And he does a great job as Emmett Burkowski in the Lego movie, right? Yep. And then he does... And this... Actually, this is where it starts, is is the first Jurassic World movie. They start to be like, that's okay, this is Chris Pratt. Cool. Uh, Cool. So we got Chris Pratt in this movie playing white guy. I feel like with Jurassic World... Uh, this is what drives me crazy about Connor Trevorrow is everybody thinks, is it Connor or Colin? Colin Tre- Tre- Trevorrow. Yeah, Trevorrow. Trevorrow. Everybody thinks that if his version of Last Jedi came out, that it would have been like some some cinematic masterpiece. No okay, one thinks well, no, that. No, wouldn't. Oh, yes, they do. There's like a version of his script that people are like, oh, this is way better. I love this. Of, uh, of Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. You said Last Jedi. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Rise of Skywalker. Um. Jurassic World, Owen Grady is a genuine character with depth, and they, like, miss an establishing scene. So, as a result, all we get is Chris Pratt. And the establishing scene is supposed to be him training the raptors. Yeah, okay, so, so yes, I'm with you. Let me let me tear the rest of this down real quick. Um, So, so Jurassic World makes a billion dollars, right? Best-selling movie yeah. of, of the year, or whatever. Uh, in, in a year where they had to, like, work to beat other stuff. Um. Makes over a billion dollars, and everybody's like, cool, okay, so this is the formula. Like, we just get Chris Pratt to play Handsome White Guy. And he goes on to do the Magnificent Seven remake, and he plays Handsome White Guy. And he comes into Guardians of the Galaxy, and they fucking forgot how to write his character. Like, they took the notes. Yeah. They took the notes on Peter Quill and went, nah, threw him away. And they're like, we're going to start from the ground up, and he plays Handsome White Guy. You know what's so interesting to me is... is, is- 
And by Mark the time we get back to so Jurassic much... World Fallen Kingdom, there's no story anymore. There's nothing there. You, 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 I get, liked you get Chris Kingdom. Pratt doing the Dwayne like the Rock Johnson smolder good. and being like, Raptors, right? Here's what I think is so interesting because you've got three back to back films there. Uh, he was in Christopher Robin. I missed that. What? Um, he, he was like an extra. It looks like apparently I must have must have liked. Uh, uh, I don't. <laughs> Winnie it, the Pooh. I'm not even call. seeing that. It says Sussex Train Porter. But Chris anyway. Pratt. Yeah, that's what I'm on. Where are I'm you? Tomatoes. I'm. Oh, I, I hate that you do that, man. Sorry. <laughs> Just. But I'm looking at. I'm looking at. We have IMDb for a reason. I know. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is more about Star Lord, right? It's about like the development of who was his father and. And, and all this stuff and he's actually half celestial and there's like there's a good story here that if they didn't freaking kill Ego he probably could have defeated Thanos on his own um, but so we've got like a lot of Chris Pratt this is the problem of volume 2 is that it is Peter Quill heavy and Pratt just drops playing the character and no, but but that's the thing into- is that's the thing is it's not Pratt. It is Pratt doing everything he can always for the script. Like I don't have a Chris Pratt problem. I have a people that write for Chris Pratt problem. But the Russos don't make the same mistake in Infinity War. That's what I was going to say. Uh yeah, no. Infinity War's fine, but I, I don't think that you can you can hang like some kind of genesis of the character on Infinity War. Nobody's on screen for more than 8 minutes at a time except Tony Stark and Thanos. Right. Like I don't know, just by the time I I was so unsold on it by the time that uh we watched Guardians Volume 2 that it, and 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 I think Fallen Kingdom came out like right after that that I was just like, dude, I never want to watch another Chris Pratt movie. Like I'll tell you though, he's in a lot of movies that I like. At least in a lot, like, I mean, he hits every franchise I like. Lego Movie is a franchise that I absolutely. But adore. Lego Movie Two was bad because they they again by the time they got to Lego Movie Two, we, it, there was no character anymore. You have Chris Pratt playing Chris Pratt in a Chris Pratt movie. It's it's the same. It's the, the Lego Movie Two, Guardians Two, and Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom are all exactly the same way. Lego Movie Two takes it a step further in that Chris Pratt is playing Owen and Peter Quill and Jim Preston. Right. It's and- it's just. <laughs> like and and Emmett, yeah. But and this is so I was not excited for Onward for this reason because I was like, okay, cool. Like the trailers again, we've talked about it plenty of times in the show about how the trailers for Onward were not that great compared to what we ended up getting. And like I was mm-hmm. not confident in their writing for that character at all. But uh, Barley Lightfoot is a great character. And again, oh, like Barley I'm, Lightfoot's a genius. I, yeah. I I I did have trouble getting into it just because it was Chris Pratt. But I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to live in that universe again. I guess like I'm ready to give him a second chance if we're gonna continue to write him characters. And this really hangs on Guardians Three and and the next Jurassic World. I do like the charity he's doing right now, where uh, you like donate to whatever the celebrity charity is or whatever he's he's pushing, and uh, he'll pick one person to be like like killed by a dinosaur in Jurassic World Three. I yeah. think that's brilliant. Because Chris, and, and, and this is the thing is, I do love Chris Pratt. He is like a, a clearly a top tier human. Like, oh yeah. You never hear anything bad about him, ever. Uh, you know, he yes. never does anything wrong. He never says anything wrong. Keeps his mouth straight. He's always in character for whatever the character he has is. Like, he loves, you can tell this dude loves waking up every day and getting to make movies. And that, like, he was the fat guy on Parks and Rec that never thought he was going to get to be, you know, they tossed him around for Indiana Jones, for God's sake. I would I would love Chris Pratt being in Joe. I would too. I would have been fine with Chris Pratt. I I love that they got the dude to do it, but I would have I would have been okay with Chris Pratt and Solo. Honestly, no, it'd be that would be too on the nose. Star Lord, because Star Lord is Han Solo, right? I mean, the, that's who he is. I would be so so. It, it's gotten announced uh, that Taika Waititi is going to be directing a Star Wars movie, writing and directing. 
Both. No, I know. That's what I said. Right. Oh, I thought you said or. No. And like, I would yeah. be okay with a Chris Pratt, Taika Waititi Star Wars movie. Yeah. Because like, I think as much as I have talked crap about Chris Pratt, and it's not in the movie that we're reviewing, and we're not talking about Chris Pratt at all. We're talking about Bradley Cooper, his co-star from um, Guardians of the Galaxy. But like, I, I, Chris Pratt has earned a place in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Chris Pratt gets to be in Star Wars. He gets to be... The way I see it is Chris Pratt gets to be Mandalorian Deadpool. I was just about to say the same exact thing. <laughs> is you get a completely different I, Mandalorian where it's like freeze frame I bet you're wondering how I ended up here and while he's like running away from a mud horn right <laughs> that's my little dude yeah oh my god Chris Pratt and Baby Yoda would be incredible <laughs> that's the soundbite everybody if you're listening to this show grab that soundbite of Ethan and just just share it everywhere <laughs> You have, that's my gift to you <laughs> All right, cool. Let's uh, bring it back to the stars born. Not a stars born. Let's bring it back to Bradley Cooper's other heavy movie. American Sniper. I truthfully, 2014 was a hell of a year for the Oscars and I hated American Sniper so much. Did you really? Yeah. I really enjoyed American Sniper. I didn't like, not at all. I don't think I could watch it now and I definitely wouldn't try, but. Like just the scene, it, it is, that is bad acting for Bradley Cooper. Oh, I disagree. I thought that was excellent acting on his part. I don't know. I, I've made it clear that I don't like modern war movies. I'm not a huge fan of war movies either. I, I avoid them. I like wars that take place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um. I can't. There's a lot of notes there. I didn't realize there was there was naked people in this movie. Sorry, 2015 Oscars for 2014 movies is what I was trying to say. Ethan, a lot of people were really concerned. They thought they thought you thought the 2014 movies were in the 2014 Oscars, and they, they were laughing about you. Well, the 2014 Oscar season was not as great as the 2015 Oscar season. No? I don't know what was in the 2014 Oscar season. Uh, So that was, uh, I mean, there's some great movies there. But you got uh, 12 Years a Slave, American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, and The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street and her were both very good. Uh, yeah, so were Dallas Buyers Club in Nebraska and 12 Years a Slave and American Hustle. Yes. I haven't seen Captain Phillips. I have no oh, desire have. to watch that Captain was Phillips. Good. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I 2015, wouldn't on, though. Was... Yeah, 2015 was for 2014 movies was Birdman, American Sniper, Boyhood, Grand Budapest, Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Selma. No, Selma fits. Theory of Everything, I don't think, fits there. I thought it was a great biopic. Really enjoyed it. I don't think it's on the same level as a lot of those Eddie other Red, films. Eddie though. Redmayne won Best pick, or best Actor that year. No, 100% he deserved that. There's no question I there. was 100% Team Michael Keaton there. No, that was that was more of the concept. Uh-huh. Eddie Redmayne became, what's his name, Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne did the other one, too. He had one a, yeah, a this few is, that was the year that, that, right? um, that was the year that Interstellar got shafted. Was it? I mean, did it get shafted? Would we call that shafted? I mean, yeah, I would. Is Interstellar still your favorite movie? It was never my favorite movie. I mean, it was like on your list, right? Yeah. I, I don't want to talk about the list ever again. I made a list that day because you made me make a list, and I don't like to make that list because people hold me to that list. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think I can make a list. I've, I've so resigned from needing like art films on my list that it's, all, it's, it's just remember the Titans 10 times. Um... We're actually at uh, wrap time, Ethan. Yeah. Uh, so Silver Linings Playbook onto the big board. I don't think we're going to go all the way to the top of the board. Yeah, no. But we're high. I'm pulling it up now, actually. Um, I don't like this as much as um, the 
the art film that we said was best last week. The Social Network? Yeah, I do not like this as much as that. Okay, I was in the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood range. I do not like this as much as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'll be straight up honest with you. But Frozen 2. Pool! What a wild thing to compare. I know, right? There's, there's, uh... I mean, they're basically the same movie, right? The, so the, my thing is, the more we like, when we posted the list and people push back on that, the more I just like, I still ride for Frozen Two. I actually watched it the other day because uh, Disney Plus. It's so good. It hits so hard. Yeah. Uh, what about Ghostbusters? This is better than Ghostbusters. Okay, so we'll go below Frozen Two. This puts this at a new ten. We've done so many good movies this year. I know, dude. We really pulled out all the stops, didn't we? Well, when we don't, you know, we haven't covered really. I mean, we covered a Star Wars movie and a and the Jumanji movie, franchise, but like Jumanji we didn't, franchise and Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah, we didn't do Potter. We didn't do Star Wars. We didn't do twenty two Marvel movies. We might do Potter before the year is out, though. Yeah, I think we'll any of those that have a hard time that. cracking the top ten, straight up. Oh no, I I don't think they would. I do think I do think I like Potter. I like the Potter films more than like I can casually give them credit for, but not more than any of these top 10 movies. Yeah, I don't think there's a Harry Potter movie I like better than Frozen 2. That being said, I would rather watch. I'd rather live in the Harry Potter universe for 2 hours than I would in the Frozen universe. I don't think it'd be fun to be animated. No, not like live in it, but like it, like I would I would rather surrender myself to that story for 2 hours on almost any of them, yeah, but I don't like them as much. That is exactly so that, that was the part issue. Of what I, was, like, I, I know that you and I communicated a couple times about this. I had no desire to watch Silver Linings Playbook leading up to this. I like I had to struggle to make myself actually sit down and watch it. And once I did watch it, I really enjoyed it and remembered why I enjoy it. But it, like I'm good on Silver Linings Playbook for a long time. Like I saw this about this time last year and about this time this year. I could go five, six years without ever watching this again, and I'll be Gucci. I can still forever be like, oh man, Silver Linings Playbook, great movie. Man, throws the book out the window like the first five minutes, awesome. And that is like, a good moment. And I'm 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 set, man. Like I don't I don't need to revisit this story all the time. It's very heavy, and it like sort of puts me in a place that I don't want to be mm-hmm. as somebody who has had like traumatic experiences. Oh, I mean, I I was telling you this when I was watching it last night. I I very much identify with uh, Pat early in the film. Like my deepest depression was triggered by like a situation with like a a woman in my life like and and i got not to pat's level kind of violent and stuff because that's just not like who i am at my core but i definitely had that same sort of feeling where i think what's so interesting about pat is that you can't see it on him especially when he's like being active and running and stuff like you can't see it until you start talking to him and really start listening and that's what is the whole movie is about is that like you listen to him and you hear the pain right we listen to him tiffany listens to him we're sorry we listen to him because tiffany listens to him and nobody else does right right i love this movie listener if you saw this movie for the first time because of us i hope that you enjoyed it yeah, I hope that you, I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope we didn't put anything too heavy on you, and I hope that you didn't tell your parents that we told you to watch it. You know what? You it's know what? extremely profane. And there's boobies. There's lots of things. There's lots of there's domestic violence. There's lots of things. There's uh, gambling. There's a lot of problems here. Yeah. Um, so we got it on the big board. The breakfast food will go on the Facebook group. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, it's a free way to join our community. And Ethan and I post there, I don't know, kind of regularly. We'd like to do more. Um, but you can always interact with people. If you post something, people will respond and they'll, they'll give you feedback or whatever you want. Uh, yeah, somebody quoted me content. from the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 episode today. Yeah, apparently there's a, a scale of cool from Ty to Zendaya. Which, I, did we have a guest on for that episode? I don't think we did. <sighs> 
<laughs> if we did, dear guest, I'm so sorry we forgot you. What but could I think we, we possibly have been talking about? I think about. at Marvel we said it was going to be just you and I yeah. up until Ant-Man and the Wasp with James. Yeah, I mean, what could we possibly have been talking about? We had John on for Thor Ragnarok. What a good guy. Um, John's a big... Uh, Guardians 2 stand, if I remember correctly. A lot of people at Big Guardians 2 stands. I'm actually afraid to revisit it because it might be really good. Uh, if it is, it's because of Endgame and Infinity War. Kind of reselling you on the Quill and the Gamora characters. But I mean, if that's if that works, then like... No, I, I see. I disagree that, that that works because it's still garbage because of what they did to the characters. Because like, they... Yeah, well, you I, can fix them. You can have the Russos come in and, and be like, okay, James Gunn, just stop. But like, I it's still you. a movie that exists. It is a finite thing. It starts at minute one and ends at minute whatever, and it is unchangeable. The book is shut. All right. If you say so. I do say so because I will never forgive them for what they did to especially Drax. I know, they really ruined Drax and Guardians 2. It could have been, that's the thing, is it could have been so good. You added uh, Kurt Russell to the mix, right, as Ego. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal actor. You added a lot of things, and, and it was it was subtraction by addition. And that's just not okay. Like, you got, it's the MCU, it's like the 18th movie in the MCU, you have to do better. It is the movie on which Gar or Infinity War hinges. You had I think to, you're right, Ethan. You had to do better. You, James I, Gunn, curious. out there, guy that wants to pee on boys' heads or whatever, you have to do better with Guardians 3. And James Gunn's never going to he hear will. this, and if he does, he's going to tell me to fuck off on Twitter. That's fine. Come at me, James Gunn. He might. He's, he's pretty active with fans on Twitter. He talked to James at one time. I would not consider myself a James Gunn fan. I don't like that James Gunn decided that he was not canceled and then just got his jobs back. Nor do I like yeah, what James was... Gunn did to Peter Quill and Drax. I just you make you make Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. You don't get hired back for Guardians Three. Is my thing. I don't get it. You don't get hired back twice, especially not to remake Suicide Squad. This is okay. This is important, Ethan. Do you know who wrote the Matthew Lillard Scooby Doo movie? Was it James Gunn? It was James Gunn. I'm sure it was. I. I Willing to bet the Matthew Lillard Scooby-Doo movie is trash. It is, yeah. That's, have you not seen it? I mean, I've seen it, but I was a kid. When you thought it was, I was awesome. A, I was a human child where I was like, man, this is weird and scary looking, but like, it's kind of cool. It's Scooby-Doo. I, I love Scooby-Doo, man. Love it. I'm a big, I mean, I'm not a Scott Nicewander Scooby-Doo level fan, but like to some extent, I can hold my own with Scott Nicewander. He came back and he was the only writer on Monsters Unleashed. A lot of people will tell you that's the better one. I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember anything about either of them. It is not the better one. Like I said, I've seen probably each of those one time, what, 15 years ago? Probably, yeah. Something Monsters like Unleashed was, I think, like, 02. So, yeah, it would have been 2004. Sorry. Um, but let's 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 finish wrapping up here because we, we do need to get moving. Cool. You got some small shout outs for me? Or not? Uh, I, I could just cut me saying that, but. I don't know if I posted on Facebook recently. I can find something. I mean, if not, it's fine. I just no. It's it's Ethan. I'll, I'll get it. I just thought that um, you were. I thought you were better than this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, so I didn't do one today. But in the uh, share content Sunday, I love this segment. This is one of my favorite segments where we do every Sunday. Bella will go up onto the Facebook group and do share content Sunday, and we want to see what you're making. And I want to talk about what people are making right now. Sydney King is making TikToks. Uh, Claire Favol is making designs for her 3D design class. And she made like a one of those scary like plague doctor masks. That's really cool. 
Rachel Fox has been painting individual cards of a deck of playing cards with what appears to be uh, a variety of different things, but a lot of Super Carlin Brothers related themes, which is really cool. Uh, and then Keyshawn Jones made their own custom shirt that has uh, like a Charizard, Bowser, and the like Metroid monster thing on it. Um, that looks really cool. Nice. Those are my small shout outs this week, Ethan. Cool. What else do we do? Uh, we... we plug a show from yeah. WBNE.org. What did we do last week? I think I did late to the party. I believe so. Okay. So if you like this show and you want to listen to more like it, I cannot recommend enough going to WBNE.org. Bacon and Eggs is a production of WBNE. WBNE is owned by Ethan and I. And it's just a really awesome community of creators where we're just putting out content that I think all of you would like. And if you like this show, I'm sure you'd like the other show that I'm on called Bagels or the other show Ethan's on called Late to the Party. Or we even have a show about Lord of the Rings, which pretty soon we'll get to review the movies, which I'm really excited about. But to listen to our best friend and comedian, Mary Clay Watt, talk about her first experience reading Lord of the Rings and rage over all the great lack of feminist moments in the books, you can listen to That's What I'm Talking About. Uh, it's it's really good. It's available on WBNE.org, and there's a preview for the show right Howdy, Tolks! Join me, Mary Clay Watt, on my journey through Lord of the Rings for the very first time. Each week, I have fans on as guests so we can discuss the books one chapter at a time. From WBNE, that's what I'm talking about. New episodes every Tuesday wherever you get podcasts. Excellent. As always, our music is by Andrew Scott Bell at andrewscottbellmusic.com. You can get some custom theme music right now from Andrew Scott Bell. It'll be fantastic. I promise he's the best. Uh, I believe today, as we're coming out with this, he's doing some sort of live stream where he's performing some of his original compositions on Facebook. So go to Andrew Scott Bell on Facebook and find him if you're listening to this on Thursday, May 7th? 7th. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if not, find them either way, right? Yeah, if it's a live stream, it'll probably still be there, so you can go go watch it later. But I believe that's happening Thursday, if I remember correctly. Uh, and our music, not our music, our graphics are by Vaishon Brandon at Graphite. That's graphite.vmb on Instagram. And go get some graphics from Vaishon for whatever you want, even if you just want, like, a graphic. Just, just have him invent something for you. It's a magical experience. He's so good. And you can find Tyler anywhere the internet is found at AmeriCarlin. And you can find me on Instagram at Edge Hill Photos and at WowNow on Twitter. And I should have an exciting announcement tomorrow, uh, May 8th, if the mail works. Otherwise, um, I'll have an exciting announcement some other Mother's time. Day? Hey, Mother's Day is next weekend? It's this weekend. Is it this weekend? It is. Oh, duh, it's graduation weekend for seeing you, yeah. I know, because uh, I have a new mother in my home. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's Emily's first Mother's Day. Yep. My first Father's Day is next month. <gasps> wow, way to just make it about you. You show I'm not making pig. it about me. I'm just, tell- I'm just telling you. That Trying to celebrate is. Emily's first Mother's Day, and you're like, yeah, it's my first Father's Day next month, too. We'll get to- You'll get your I turn, just- man. Sir, I can, I can feel the angry DM from, from Mary Claire. What's already? the male version of a Karen? Mark. Mark (laughs) R.I.P. Mark's out there Sorry guys (laughs) I've decided it's your turn to to die Okay anyway on that note uh, I've been Ethan Edgell with Tyler Carlin Until next time Arrivederci Another rude creep